I went to my counselor and was like, I, I need to be arrested. I need to go back to jail or juvie and I need to go to rehab. Like I can't do this anymore. Welcome back to another episode of Strangers in Passing. In this podcast, you'll get to know people that I kind of know, don't know, or I'm good friends with. But either way, I'm sure that they're probably strangers to you. This week, I talk with Sarah. This is a two-part series. Part one is launching today, and then part two will be in another two weeks. Um, On this episode, we talk about escorting, juvenile detention, drug addiction, and so much more. I'm really excited about this episode because I actually just met Sarah um, a couple months before our interview and I talked to her for 20 minutes and then I was like, oh my gosh, I need to have you on the podcast. So give it a listen and don't forget part two will be launching in two weeks on Strangers in Passing. I was like there super early and I had no one to talk to and Amy was busy so I just came and like talked to you and you're so friendly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I was uh I, I just went by myself too just to go say hi to Amy and it was, it was cool yeah it was really fun talking to you and I was like oh my god I need to have this girl on the podcast because some of the stories that you told me I was like is this girl for real like just get open yeah I've had some pretty interesting experiences in my life can we talk about maybe just like when you were younger and like the juvie stuff that you had mentioned for sure yeah um so yeah when uh when I was 15 I kind of went through a rough patch when I was um like I had switched from going to private schools and then I started going to public school and kind of had a bit of a depression um my dad disappeared at that time too and um I uh, brought a knife to school and it ended up like I I brought the knife with intent to harm myself and a friend of mine told one of the counselors and it ended up with me being arrested at school and um going into juvie and into like safe houses and stuff um I was uh, expelled from that school and I went to like uh, I was having a hard time at home with my mom I went to a um, like um, like a respite home it's for um, like it was after I got out of juvie I because I was arrested and then I went into juvie for a couple weeks and I got out and went and stayed with this family because I couldn't stay with my mom and um yeah, and then I went into this, like, day program, and kind of life changed after that. <laughs> How so? Um, well, I started meeting different people. I started hanging out downtown a lot more, and, and, yeah, getting into, like, doing drugs got me into selling drugs. Like, I just sold weed, yeah. and, um, like, that actually got me arrested the second time, and it was kind of a funny story. I was, like, just hanging out downtown. I'm from Victoria originally. Right. And I was in, um, I was downtown Victoria. Um, it was kind of late at night and I was with my boyfriend and we were just hanging out on the steps down at city hall and the police came up to us and, uh, 
asked us what we were doing. And I said, oh, you know, we're just hanging out. We're going to go back to our hotel pretty soon. And they said, well, you have a choice. You can come with us or you can uh, you can go to your hotel. And I was like, okay, see you later. And I started to walk away. And they're like, well, no, wait, where are you going? And I was like, well, I'm going. You said I could go. <laughs> and they're like, no, actually, you're going to come with us. And I didn't know anything about my rights at the time. So yeah. I went with them and they found 18 dime bags of pot in my overalls. And oh, no. So that was my uh, second arrest. and second time in juvie and I was on probation and actually I ended up getting um a no contact with my boyfriend which was hilarious because as soon as I got out I went and saw him right away <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is juvie like uh I would say that Victoria juvie is really um just like it's pretty innocent I think that if I went to an actual real jail it would be a wake-up call but everyone was really chill like um the people like they're all just like me we're all kind of hurt kids that come from kind of fucked up pasts and yeah you know we all just it was kind of fun actually (laughs) (laughs) some kids were scary like there was one girl I think on my first day when I uh I sat down at this one table and she uh I can't remember what she said she said something like um why don't you fuck off? And I was just like, well, why don't you fuck off? And uh, the girls at the table were like, uh, yeah, no, no, you don't, you don't want to say that to her. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was just kind of joking. And like, no, that chick is in here for raping someone with a candlestick. And like, what? Yeah. She's, she's pretty hardcore. You don't want to fuck with her. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, uh, I learned my lesson right away that uh, <laughs> just to keep my mouth kind of shut. Most people, I think, were in there for drugs um, and violence. Right. Um, there was one guy that I became friends with, and he was in there for murder. He killed the guy that raped his sister. Can you tell me, I guess, if you're open to it, talking a little bit about the drugs you were doing at that time? Or Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I started off like just smoking weed and drinking and I kind of was really curious about all sorts of drugs and this was, well, almost 20 years ago and, um, like meth wasn't really, it wasn't really as harsh as it is today. Like everybody knows that meth is like as bad as heroin or crack and I like, I kind of just thought it was like doing acid or E or something. And so like I tried doing acid, E, GHB, ketamine, um, prescription pills, basically like whatever, whatever was available. And um, I started dating this homeless guy and um, he was doing meth. And this one girl that we were hanging out with, I sold some weed that day and I had some extra cash and she was like, Hey, do you want to try doing meth? And I was like, yeah, sure. Actually, yeah, I kind of always wanted to. <laughs> and um, yeah, it uh, it was a very slippery slope. It was really fun. It was a super fun drug to try. I mean, like we just talked all night and became like, it kind of connects you with people. Yeah. But um, it didn't take long before it took over me. And um, I remember one time, I think I'd been up for about like four or five days or something. And 
I saw one of my best friends downtown and she was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 it's all good. I got it under control. And she's like, no, look at you. You're like ruining your life. And I'm like, no, it's okay. She ended up slapping me in the face and like, you need, she's like, you need to get your shit together. And <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. But I didn't, I didn't end up. I just like, I was going to, um, I was actually kind of going to school at the time. And um, there was like, this was probably months later, one day at school or like the night before going to school, I stayed up and was smoking meth, doing E, doing acid. I just was doing a bunch of drugs and I went to school the next day and was like, I can't do this anymore. And I went to my counselor and was like, "I, I need to be arrested. I need to go back to jail or juvie and I need to go to rehab like I can't do this anymore how old were you at that time um I think I was 17 okay yeah I was like 17 or 18 I think I was 17 that's crazy yeah Yeah, like you had like your own wake-up call Yeah. yeah I had a few rock bottoms when I was a teenager and I think it's you know it's I would never ever want anyone else to go through it but I'm so thankful that I did because like those experiences there's nothing else that can ever teach you like that like right yeah it was it was crazy to experience it um but I'm always very thankful for it yeah I'm like because when I was part of the punk rock scene in Edmonton um, I always thought, like, let's get all this badness out of our system while we're young. Yeah. And then, like, be better adults. Um, and then, so the people who were straight edge when I was younger end up being, like, the lifelong drug addicts, which is, like, really sad. I'm glad that I also experienced what I did when I was younger. I'm just, like, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. I've kind of, like... Since then, I, I like I definitely would never do meth again. I've done coke and e and acid and mushrooms. Like I love doing mushrooms. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can I ask you about your homeless boyfriend? I like have the stupidest question in the whole entire world. Sure. Okay, if he was homeless, yeah. When you guys had sex, didn't he smell bad? Oh, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was 16 and like I grew up as a Christian and I was really like freaked out about having sex. Okay. Um, so I actually, I only had sex with three people when I was 16 and then I wasn't sexually active again until I was 18. I, like, I mean, if we were going to, there was like, sometimes we would sleep at the church. Like there was a field that we could okay. sleep at at the church. Um, there were spots that we slept at downtown. I ended up sleeping in stairwells a lot, um, like at the library downtown. Why stairwells? Because they were dry and warm. Okay. And um, when we were doing meth, it was like a pretty private place to do it. So you were talking to me at the zine fair about a girl you call your sister? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did you meet her? And like, can you share your adventures with her? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Um, I met her in the day program after I got out of juvie the first time um, when we were 15. 
and um, she's just been like one of my best friends forever. She kind of like I don't want to say she stayed in the life like yeah she's she's pretty gangster. She hung out with a lot of like the gangster people and um like uh it was I don't know we kind of went our different ways. She stayed in with like the partying and I think she was even stripping when we were. I don't know if she was stripping at that age, but she's she became a stripper and had been stripping like mm-hmm. like over a decade now. And that's a um, long time to be a stripper. Oh yeah, she yeah. must be really hot. She, yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she she definitely is. Um, and yeah, she like now she models and um, cool. she eventually got into escorting. And um, like she also is like. She's a mom. She's a nail tech. She does eyelash extensions. Like she has other work that she does too. She's a hustler. She yeah. like, she just works for her money. However, she has to get it. And, yeah. And um, yeah, she's a rad chick. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, <laughs> I think I know. I think I know where we're going with this. <laughs> um um, yeah I recently got out of a 13-year relationship and like okay when I like I was 19 when I got into my relationship there was texting was barely even a thing at the time (laughs) and now I'm like 33 and like fuck (laughs) I don't even like tinder I don't I'm I'm afraid of that like it's like the dating game is so different now. It's just totally crazy to me. Um, So I've kind of been like a little bit freaked out about just even getting into dating. And my sweet girlfriend, she was just like, uh, last time I went to Victoria, she, um, she's like, Hey, okay, I've got this date. Um, You can come with me if you want. You don't have to like, you don't even have to get out of the car. You can just stay in the car you can come in with me if you want. Um, like, you know, I really don't want you to feel uncomfortable about anything. Um, but you know, like you're, you're totally welcome to join. And like, if you do want to join with us, like, you know, we can talk about payment afterwards and everything, or like we can talk about the payment before and like, you know, this is whatever's comfortable for you. And I, after my breakup, I just kind of was doing this yes thing. Like, I was like, you know, I just want to start meeting people and just kind of having fun. And so yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, I'll go with you. And like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Let's, let's go. And, um, I went with her and it was, um, it was pretty cool. I, I decided to go in with her and like the guy had some weed and drinks. And so we were just hanging out and, um, like, before we went she was like you know I kind of like feel like it's a therapeutic experience like these men that I I work with they're just like they're pretty average guys but they just kind of have like I guess impediments like they have social awkwardness for whatever reason it's hard for them to meet girls and so I'm kind of offering them a like a therapeutic service and um when I went there and met him, he was like maybe a little bit older than me. He's a dad. He's like really average and not unattractive or yeah. Like, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, okay. I've met lots of dudes like this before. <laughs> <laughs> he was showing us his toy collection and stuff, and 
yeah and then when she she was like okay we're gonna go to the bedroom now and I was she's like yeah do you want to come with us and I was like um okay sure yeah (laughs) 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 and it was actually like one of the better experiences I've had like I had had threesomes when I was a teenager and stuff and I'd actually had threesomes with her her and I used to live together and that was kind of my like slutty phase and we just like we would like swap boyfriends and stuff and just hang out with each other like hook up with each other and like hang out in our apartment naked and stuff like (laughs) we were (laughs) we were were pretty loose together but um yeah so like actually hooking up with her and this other guy was like it was kind of like a beautiful experience (laughs) and I got 250 bucks out of it that's pretty sweet yeah yeah it was pretty fun (laughs) for like something that doesn't feel like work I'd imagine (laughs) yeah yeah like I've I'm, I've kind of thought about it afterwards. Like, I don't know if I, like, maybe I would do this again. It was, like, I feel like I probably lucked out on that situation because I don't think that they're all like that. She's told me about some other guys where, you know, yeah. they want they want her to pee in a cup so that they can drink it or, like, um, they want to wear diapers or, <laughs> like, have stuff stuck up their butt and, you know. The peeing in the cup doesn't sound too bad, though. Like, if they're going to pay you to pee in a cup and then they can drink it, I'd be like, okay. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess it's like, there's no harm to me. Yeah. I'm going to pee anyways. Might as well make some money. (laughs) Just eat a lot of asparagus beforehand so it comes out. (laughs) Or isn't pineapple the one that makes makes cum taste better yeah pineapple (laughs) (laughs) i think that one i can confirm is true (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Uh, so also so you know alan right i interviewed him for another episode Mm -hmm, yeah how do you know alan um just kind of through like the punk and skinhead scene right um like i'm not skinhead anymore but my ex-boyfriend was and like I've hung out with lots of skinheads. I I considered myself a skinhead for um, years too. I have actually skinhead tattooed on the inside of my lip. Cool. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a past skin bird? Right? Is that the term for female skinheads? Yeah. 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 I I would. Yeah. Because I definitely was like I was very involved with the scene in Victoria. Um, my boyfriend was a DJ. He DJed like reggae and soul and we cool. used to have uh, monthly dances and um, I was never cropped. Like I didn't have yeah. the, um, Chelsea. the Chelsea or the fringe haircut. Um, I, I have really curly hair. So I was <laughs> like, I can't do that kind of haircut. It doesn't work with my hair. <laughs> can you share what it's like because I know that a lot of skinhead groups or like skinheads in general are it's like male dominated oh yeah definitely how many skin girls were there when you were one um I don't think there was any there or there's like there's a couple and they were like um like there's kind of like the rockabilly retirement in the skinhead scene right so there was kind of like more rockabilly girls um but they were also skinheads too 
was generally there there was always lots of guys and um like I remember one time like there was Scott Fest every year in Victoria every summer and um I remember being at one Scott Fest and I was wearing white braces and one of the skinhead guys was like he was just challenging me but he was like yo what's up with the white braces are you you Nazi, you know, or you white power, and I was just like, "Fuck off, dude!" No, obviously, I'm not. <laughs> Me and Alan talked about that in that episode too. Like, he explained what a traditional skinhead is because I knew because I grew up in the punk scene, and mm-hmm. um, I dated a skinhead, well, an ex skinhead, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like, it was just like normal to me. And I, I knew that like, there's non-racist ones, and then there's racist ones, and there's ones that like, don't even fall in, like in between or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine having to explain that all the time. Yes. And actually, um, Alan met me at work one time. And uh, my coworkers were like, the next day we're like um what is up with that guy (laughs) (laughs) and so I had to have the talk with them and um yeah one of the girls that I work with um she's Jewish and she comes from like the east coast she's from I think Moncton and from a small town and she's like no skinheads are Nazis like she's like there were parts of town and school I couldn't go to because I was a Jew. And if I crossed paths with the skinheads, they would beat the shit out of me. She's like, skinheads are racist. And like, why would you even want to associate with something like that if you weren't a racist? And then it's like the same conversation because it's the working class pride. Like I grew up in low income housing. I grew up in like a pretty poor family. And when I, got into the skinhead scene I was like wow this is amazing I I went to private Christian schools living in low-income housing and I always was ashamed of where I lived Um, all my friends lived in houses with two parents and like you know they had everything they wanted and needed and my sister wouldn't bring people to our place because she never wanted people to know that we lived in the ghetto like you know and then I meet these people in this scene where it's this is what this is who we are you know Mm -hmm. we are working class we come from you know maybe poor backgrounds but we're not ashamed of it we're proud of it this is like fuck off we don't need to conform <laughs> yeah. yeah so like what society says that we should be just, just because we can't afford to have all of the like new clothes or whatever it doesn't mean that we're anything less than anybody else and thank you so 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 much to sarah for letting me interview her for the podcast In two weeks, I will launch the next episode, which is the second part of Sarah's interview where we talk about car accident, PTSD, um, hating the world, and much more. Unfortunately, I can't share Sarah's social media handles with you, but if you want to follow me or have questions for Sarah, you can ask them to me. Um, My username is HelloBeverly with with an L-E-Y across all social media channels, and... I'm just really excited for you guys to hear the second part to Sarah's interview. Like, I'm seriously stoked. Anyways, 
Next time you're at an event, get outside of your comfort zone and talk to someone entirely new. Without that, I wouldn't have met Sarah. Unless, of course, you're with that stranger in the bathroom. Then maybe leave them alone and run far, far, far away. Okay, bye.